Hello and welcome to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your favorite team every single day. My name is Ian McLaren. I am the host of the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. This is episode 112, if you can believe it. If you've listened to even uh, 10% of those, I thank you very much and very much appreciate the support. You can follow me on Twitter at ENC McLaren. You can follow the show at LO underscore Boston Bruins. The podcast is available on your podcast app. Just search Locked On Boston Bruins. Uh, subscribe, download, listen. If you're an Apple user, please leave a rating and a review. That would be very much appreciated. The Bruins are in action tonight in Florida against the Panthers, looking to extend their lead atop the NHL standings while also effectively end Florida's playoff hopes. The Panthers sit fourth in the Atlantic, 73 points, five back of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the race for third in the division and therefore a playoff spot. And uh, they do have a game in hand on the Maple Leafs, who will also be in action here on Thursday night. In terms of the wild card, they are five points back of second wild card spot holding New York Islanders. Uh, who have played one fewer game than the Florida Panthers. So their best bet is probably trying to catch Toronto, uh, although it doesn't seem likely at this point. The Bruins were given a lot of Wednesday off to uh, do their thing around Florida. They practiced for about 20 minutes. Brad Marchand was missing from that session as he continues to recover from food poisoning. Uh, Limited to him in Tuesday's win over the Lightning, but uh, he's expected to feel closer to 100% today, and uh, he should be back in the lineup. In fact, Cassidy said he doesn't anticipate any changes to the lineup against the Panthers, with the exception of Yaroslav Halak getting the nod between the pipes. Uh, so that would mean Nick Ritchie, David Krejci, and Andre Kasha will continue to skate together on the second line, with DeBrusque, Coyle, and Wagner on the third Sean Corrali, Par Lindholm, and Joachim Nordstrom on the fourth line, and the defensive pairings staying the same. Um, about that second line, Cassidy said they're not finishing much right now, but I think their pace has to pick up a little bit, and that might come with time. David's going to drive that line. The centerman typically is. When he's on his game making plays, playing with pace, that line will look a lot better. They've only been together for a couple games now, so... Looks like Cassidy's going to stick with them to see if they can become an effective trio. And uh, as I talk about in the mailbag coming up, uh, there's some question as to whether that will stick come playoff time. But uh, he added, I thought they had some opportunities around the front of the net yesterday. They're coming. I really do. I think they had some other opportunities, a three on two. One of their D laid out and made a nice play when Krejci was trying to find Kasha. That was against the Lightning. They're there. They're just not quite connecting. So that line will get some um, more ice time together tonight. And um, again, that new look fourth line will get some more love as Joaquin Nordstrom tries to work his way back into the lineup. Uh, He's been out a lot of the season with some allergy issues, injuries, inconsistency as well. Bruce Cassidy said for a guy that's kind of a secondary guy, a shot blocker, penalty killer, Known for all the things that don't necessarily show up on the score sheet. It's tough some nights. He's trying to fight his way back into the lineup and play a consistent role. He did a real good job the last few games. Uh, He dropped the gloves in the game against um, Tampa. 
fighting Yanni Gord after a scrum in front of the bees net. Um, so Cassidy said he's done a real good job trying to inject himself and his energy into the game, defend the front of the net, um, did his job along the walls, those dirty areas. Hopefully he gets some puck luck around the net and provides a little offense for us. Although that's not his primary role, of course. Uh, so that means again that Anders Bjork and Carson Kuhlman will be out of the lineup as well as Anton Bleed. The Bruins basically have uh, five lines worth of forwards uh, right now when everybody's healthy. So as I go on to say in the mailbag, I really don't know what the lineup will look like going forward. It all depends on health. It all depends on who Cassidy believes gives the team the best chance to win night in and night out. I don't love know if I love Chris Wagner being a staple on the third line. I see him as more of a fourth line guy. Uh, Corrali, Lindholm, and Wagner I think would be a great line. But then again, you have uh, Nordstrom playing well lately. You have Bjork and Kuhlman fighting for ice time. Uh, so it's gonna, really going to be interesting to see what the lineup looks like down the stretch. Um, you'll see some guys sitting, I think, and giving Bjork and Kuhlman the opportunity to stay uh, game ready. Uh, but once it comes to playoff time, a lot of it will depend on health and who's clicking at that time. The Panthers are 3-6-1 over their last 10 games. Uh, Jonathan Huberto leads the team with 77 points. Uh, our old friend Noel Achari, who was stripped, uh, signed with the Panthers last July, and he scored 20 goals. Uh, also, former Bruins Frank Vitrano and Brett Connolly are p- playing prominent roles for them. Uh, again, they're in a fight to stay in the playoff race. Uh, very disappointing season down there. Expectations were high for this team this season after signing Bobrovsky and bringing in Joel Quenville. And so uh, look for them to come out with a solid effort. We all remember how Boston blew that lead to the Panthers earlier this season. So they're not a team to be taken lightly, despite the fact they're outside of a playoff spot right now. And um, yeah, it should be a pretty good game and I'm, I'm looking forward to it. NHL.com has our Bruins in the top spot in their power rankings this, uh, this week. Uh, they've given up the fewest goals in the NHL, 161 ranked second on the power play, 25.1 Third on the penalty kill, 84% entering play on Thursday. Uh, They would be well ahead in the race for first, but they're 0-7 in shootouts, as we all know. One of only three teams without a shootout win. And, uh, you know, if they had even split those, they'd be at um, almost 100 points already. Or uh, in terms of goals four, they rank uh, tie for sixth with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, and goals four per game. They're uh, eighth at 3.28. Uh, so the Bruins, a lot of things going well for them right now, as we all know. And um, I would expect them to come out pretty strong here tonight and uh, enter Saturday's game with a chance to really bury the Lightning uh, and their chances at taking top spot and to cross the 100-point line for the first uh, yeah, the first team to do so this season. Uh, Bruins riding a three-game winning streak, 8-2 and two in their last 10, 13-3 uh, and three since the All-Star break bye week, and uh, yeah, very close to clinching a playoff spot here and uh, locking up first uh, in the Atlantic, 
first in the East and possibly first overall as well. And we'll get into uh, that President's Trophy discussion again here as we enter the mailbag. Let's open up the mailbag, shall we, and answer some questions sent in by some faithful Locked On Boston Bruins listeners. Thank you so much for sending in some great questions this week. I'll start with Scott Jodrell at the Real SJ. He asks, what do you think the line combinations will be game one of the playoffs, assuming everyone is healthy? Uh, that's a great question. And uh, I'll start uh, from the back moving forward. Obviously, Tuka Rask will be the game one starter, barring injury. On defense, safe to say we'll have Zdeno Chara and Charlie McAvoy. We will have Tori Krug and Brandon Carlo. Those have been the stellar top four all season long and uh, two of the best defensive pairings in the league, I think. And then thirdly, uh, you know, Matt Grizzlick. And it's very likely that it will be Jeremy Lozon. He has played very, very well since being inserted into the lineup. Uh, you know, prior to the All-Star break, the Bruins have gone like 14-3 and since that time. Uh, it's not ideal as he is a left-hand shot, but, uh, you know, the alternative is Connor Clifton, who hasn't played it in quite some time, and Kevin Miller, who's been out for even longer. Uh, they're both right-hand shots uh, and could see some time uh, down the stretch if Miller's could play. Clifton seems very close to be able to, to be coming back, um, but that would be my defensive pairings at the moment. There's no real point to shake things up when it's working really well. Up front is where things get a bit more cloudy as the Bruins do have a lot of depth up there. Obviously, uh, the quote-unquote perfection line will be together as long as possible. Uh, that's Brad Merchant, Patrice Bergeron, David Pasternak up front. Second line... It really seems like Bruce Cassidy is giving uh, David Krejci an extended look alongside Nick Ritchie and Andre Kasha. I mean, it's still yet to be determined if that trio will remain together uh, for an extended period of time, but um, it does seem to be somewhat effective for the moment. Uh, Kasha has yet to find the back of the net in the black and gold, but it's only a matter of time, I believe, and... Um, like I said the other day, I'm cautiously optimistic that he'll start scoring very soon. Um, I, yeah, I don't really know if that's going to stick together. Um, but, uh, my ideal second line, I think would be DeBrusque, Krejci, Kasha on the third line. I'd have Richie Coyle and uh, Bjork. And then on the fourth line is where things get extra tricky because there's so many, uh, options if everybody's healthy, we have Joaquin Nordstrom, Sean Corrali, Chris Wagner, um, Carson Kuhlman is able to come in, uh, Anton Bleed when he's healthy as well. Um, so all those guys have the ability to be effective on the fourth line. I think ideally Bruce Cassidy would love the Nordstrom, Corrali, Wagner trio to get going. Par Lindholm has really looked good in there at the center spot allowing Corrali to move over to left wing, which has been effective. Um, so yeah, between those four, it's really hard to say who the trio will be. Um, and, you know, ultimately, it looks like Anders Bjork has been the odd man out and Carson Kuhlman as of late. So maybe uh, all four of those guys will get in with Wagner being bumped up to the third line uh, as he was the other night against Tampa Bay. So, you know, all that to say... Um, it's really difficult to pinpoint 
what the uh, bottom six is going to look like and even what the second line will look like if uh, Nick Ritchie's meant to stay up there. Ultimately, let me answer your question. I know I'm kind of rambling here, but second line, I'd have DeBrusque, Krejci, Kasha. Third line, I would have Richie, Coyle, Bjork. And then fourth line, I think I'd go Corrali, Lindholm, and Wagner at this point with Nordstrom kind of rotating in and out as that extra forward. Um, so I hope that answers your question. Let me know if you agree or disagree. Michael Lodi at mlodi3430 asks, how much is too much in relation to re-signing Krug? That gets tricky for the Bruins as we know that, not that they have an internal cap per se, but they seem reluctant to pay players more than Bergeron, more than Martian, more than Pasternak, all of whom, thank the Lord, have taken pretty team-friendly deals with the Bruins uh, as of late. The highest paid player on the roster is David Krejci at 7.2.5 million through the end of next season. Then we have Bergeron 6.85, Pasternak 6.66, Marchand 6.125. Now, Tori Krug at the moment is making 5.25. If you go to the open market, I would assume he'd be able to try to get between eight and nine. Obviously um, that would be on the very high end, the nine. I think it's fair to say between seven and eight, uh, he would get. Um, if the Bruins could re-sign him close to uh, what David Krejci is making, I think that would be uh, a pretty good deal for them. I believe I saw a report uh, from Scott Hutchin of the fourth period. So not super reliable, but uh, take it with a grain of salt that Krug is looking for a six-year deal worth $49 million. That would put him at $8.16 uh, million against the cap. Um, I mentioned yesterday how the cap might be going up to $84 to $88 million, so that would certainly make that more palatable for the Bruins. But I really think they would love to get him signed at uh, something around or under what David Krejci is making. So... A seven-year deal, $49 million, uh, I think would be something the Bruins would, would certainly take a look at. Uh, I don't know if um, they want to go that long with him, if they want to go that high, if uh, he wants to test the open market and see what he can get. Uh, but I think that would be uh, my window. If we're talking eight per season against the cap, that's getting a bit high in my mind. Um, especially since, you know, he's not super young anymore. He's 28. He'll turn 29 in when's his birthday, April. So, you know, on a seven year deal, he'll be, if I can do some math here, he'll be, you know, 36 by the time that deal ends. Do you want to be paying a 36 year old defenseman that much money, 8 million a year? I'm not so sure about that. So I'm hoping if they could go, Shorter term, say six years, um, and maybe like $42 million. That's something that I'd be uh, pretty comfortable with. Next question comes from Ryan Turner. He says, how many does Pasta get tonight against Florida goaltending? It seems whenever somebody gets close to talking, taking the goal-scoring lead from him, he adds two or three the following game. Let's update the goal-scoring race at the moment. Pasternak 
is at 47 goals through 67 games. Austin Matthews, one behind at 46. Alexander Ovechkin has 45 and only 65 games played. And uh, Leon Dreisaitl is at 43 uh, goals for the season. So Pasternak holding on by one over Austin Matthews, who will also be in action tonight against the Los Angeles Kings. Um, it appears as though Sergei Bobrovsky will be in net for the Florida Panthers. He has a record of 23-19-6 with a 900 save percentage uh, this season. The Panthers as a team are one of the uh, worst teams when it comes to goals allowed per game. They're allowing 3.33. And so all that together, there's a good chance that Pasternak could score um, a couple tonight, even get the hat trick for number 50. He does seem to score in bunches at times. And if he gets a couple, uh, they would certainly try to boost his total to get that hat trick. Although you don't necessarily want that to get that in an empty net situation. Um, but I could see him getting a couple and possibly hitting 50 tonight. Um, although it would be cool if you were to do that on home ice Saturday against the lightning. Uh, so yeah, I'd pencil Pasternak in for at least two goals. Court Lalonde asks, is the president's trophy curse real? Well, Court, this is something I talked about on Monday or Tuesday on the podcast. So, you know, thanks for not listening. But, uh, sorry, just joking. Um, what I mentioned was the president's trophy, of course, goes to the team with the best regular season record. They are guaranteed home ice advantage in all four rounds of the Stanley Cup playoffs, provided they advance that far. We all know it does not guarantee success, and the most glaring example of that is the 2019 Tampa Bay Lightning, who won the President's Trophy by, I believe, 21 points, and then went on to be swept by the Columbus Blue Jackets in the first round of the postseason. The last team to win both the President's Trophy and the Stanley Cup in the same season was the 2013 Chicago Blackhawks. Our Boston Bruins won the President's Trophy in 2014, and they lost in the second round to the Montreal Canadiens. The Rangers in 2015 went to the Conference Finals, so that's not too bad. Uh, The Capitals in 2016 and 2017 lost in the second round to the Pittsburgh Penguins, who went on to win the Cup. And the Nashville Predators two years ago lost in the second round. Since the President's Trophy became a thing in uh, the 80s, seven President's Trophy winners have been eliminated in the first round of the playoffs. um, And eight have gone on to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, it's a bit of a crapshoot. We all know it's very difficult to win in the playoffs. Um, I don't think it's a curse per se to win the President's Trophy. It obviously is a sign that you have had an excellent regular season and is indicative of uh, possible success. It's incredibly difficult to predict success in the playoffs. Uh, So much has to go right. Um, And uh, even a sure thing like last year, playing Game 7 on home ice in the final was anything but a sure thing. Um, What's more important than the points is the underlying numbers. The Bruins have been very strong as of late. And their first round, uh, I'm sorry, their first place standing is very justified. And um, they will get matched up with a pretty, maybe not a super tough team out in the Metropolitan Division, likely. 
Looks like it'll be one of the Rangers, Hurricanes, Islanders, or Blue Jackets. Um, and I would think they would be able to avoid that trap this season. But again, you never know. Uh, but whether it's a curse or not, I'd say no, uh, because uh, just as many, almost as many teams have gone on to win the cup as have been upset in the first round. Thanks so much for all those questions. And I'll open up the mailbag again next week uh, to answer some of your uh, queries. Let's now close the show by taking a look at some news and notes from around the NHL. The Philadelphia Flyers are red hot. They have won seven games in a row, beat the Washington Capitals 5-2 on Wednesday night. Uh, They have now moved to within one point of the Capitals for the race in the Metropolitan Metropolitan Division. Um, However, James Van Rieseyk will be sidelined indefinitely after suffering a broken hand while blocking a shot. He's been a pretty effective 5-on-5 scorer for them. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they're able to uh, move on without him uh, in the mix. Obviously, injuries are magnified at this time of year. And uh, the Bruins, knock on wood, are pretty healthy right now. Hopefully, it it stays that way. I talked yesterday about the salary cap, mentioned that earlier. Um, It would be great news for the Bruins if it does go up and it would allow them to uh, help Hold on to Tory Krug as well as re-sign some of their RFAs and their backup goalie. Um, some pretty good news out of Long Island where defenseman Johnny Boychuk, who has a soft spot uh, in my heart due to the fact he was a member of the 2011 Stanley Cup champion Bruins. Uh, he was struck near his left eye in uh, by a skate blade during Tuesday's loss to the Montreal Canadiens. Thankfully, his eye was undamaged but he had to get 90 stitches uh, on his eyelid and above his eye. Uh, He'll be sidelined until the swelling goes down. Um, He took to Twitter yesterday and said, thank you to everyone for the positive messages and thoughts. I'm extremely grateful. Please know they did not go unheard. Luckily for me, the skate only cut my eyelid. Sorry for the late response. Facial recognition wasn't working. Thank you again, my friends, Johnny B. So nice to see he hasn't lost his sense of humor uh, after that very, very scary incident. Uh, New York Ranger, New York Rangers forward Chris Kreider has uh, been ruled out four to six weeks with a broken foot suffered last week against the Flyers. And uh, that's a huge hit to the Rangers who remain in the playoff race, uh, but have some ground to make up here. Uh, some crazy news out of Ottawa where the Senators dismissed CEO Jim Little following what he described as a heated argument with uh, team owner Eugene Melnick on Valentine's Day. A team source cited a pattern of behavior, not just one incident, among other things that led to Little's dismissal. He was only on the job since January 10th, uh, so craziness continues in Ottawa, uh, zero days without a serious incident uh, that has been reset there. Um, What else is going on? The Florida Panthers, who the Bruins play tonight, Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts column wondered what the consequences will be for the Florida Panthers if they miss the playoffs again. Owner Vinny Viola spent more than $100 million last summer to improve the club, signing Sergei Borowski to that $70 million contract signing Anton Strawman, hiring Joel Quinville as head coach. 
Uh, a rival general manager suspects the Panthers could break up their core if they fail to reach the postseason. Uh, that core includes Alexander Barkov, Jonathan Huberdeau, defenseman Aaron Ekblad. Uh, Barkov and Ekblad do not have no trade protection, while Huberdeau has a full no-movement clause. Uh, I would have a very hard time seeing them part ways with Barkov, uh, but uh, Ekblad, yeah, maybe. Uh, if they just do decide to sh- shake things up, one of those three could hit the trade block. Uh, Mike Matheson could also uh, come up, but you know it'd be really tough sell to trade their captain at this point. And um, but you know maybe Ekblad would be on the table uh, to ca- kind of try to shake things up there. That's it for today's Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. Uh, again. My name is Ian McLaren. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow to recap the game against the Florida Panthers and also take a look at the weekend ahead and another game coming up against the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, which should be a great one on home ice. Hope you all have a great rest of your Thursday. Uh, Stay safe out there. Wash your hands. Take care of yourselves. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.